This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Homestar Radio. This is a very special podcast. Uh, I'll be joined by a panel who I shall introduce in just a moment. We'll be talking about the transfers, both the transfers we've done and the transfers we might do. We'll probably be covering a little bit about who we'd like to see leaving the club too. Obviously you can't get in touch and it's not a live show, but if you've got any of your opinions you want to share with us, do go to holradio.net forward slash contact get in touch during the week may feature you on next week's show. Anyway, on we go. Okay, welcome. Let's uh, introduce... Well, you'll see what I mean by when I said it's a very special panel because you probably won't have heard from any of these gentlemen previously, although one has his own podcast, and we'll have a quick chat about that. In just a moment, I'm going to introduce you to... Well, let's first start with Malcolm. Hi, Malcolm. Hi, Chris. Hi, everyone. Right. First time on Homestead Radio. You nervous? Oh, very definitely. Oh, yeah. It's terrifying, isn't it? Um, you know, up tens of people were here every word you have to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully uh, I won't disappoint them. Uh, not. So let's have a little bit about yourself. You know, full name, age, vintage, all that stuff. Oh, uh, uh, right. Uh, well, I'm Malcolm Goddard. Uh, I'm the old one. I'm 53. I think the first Palace game was... Gosh, ages ago. It was 1971. Um, started going back, watching Palace again, round about 2007. Been a season ticket holder for 10 of the most interesting years at Palace. Sit in the Holmesdale Upper, go to most home games, go to the occasional away game, regular listener of Holmesdale Radio. Fantastic stuff. So organised, you're not going to fear it at all, are you? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> We're corrupt, you don't worry, mate. So, um, I like the fact, obviously, that you went to your first Palace game before I was born. Makes me feel really good. Um, there you go. But uh, so, who's your your favourite all time Palace player? Um, that's a good one. Favourite all time Palace player. Um, certainly in the era that I've been going around, Darren Ambrose was always a crowd pleaser. I mean, who can forget that goal against Man United? 
you can't step away from Wilf. A um, little bit of a soft spot for Alan Lee because he was just a complete bruiser. Um, those will be the three, possibly Damien. Hmm. Interesting, uh, the soft spot for Alan Lee. There's a soft spot with Mila Yednak's face from Alan Lee as well. Yeah, <laughs> so, no. Well, you know, that was, I think, I think um, Neil Downs has still got Alan Lee's guitar. So there you go. There's a little bit of uh, good stuff. stuff the other way. Okay. So thank you, Malcolm. Little little chance to meet Malcolm as a, as a new voice for Homestore Radio. We've got plenty of others. Uh, let's go with Jamie next. Hi, Jamie. Hello. Oh, so tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, full name and your vintage and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> oh, I'm Jamie Hall. I'm uh, 26 and um, I can't really remember my first Palace game. I was only a kid. I don't know whether I drink too much because I can't remember yesterday sometimes. But um, I remember I was a good luck charm for a while. Uh, my dad took me because, well, we kept winning and then <laughs> that soon changed. <laughs> but I stuck with it. Fantastic. And, uh, okay, 26 is good. It's younger than me, which makes me slightly angry. I, <laughs> you know, I have to deal with that. You're not, but you're not as young as DR, who is who was born in the year 2000, which is unacceptable <laughs> behaviour from anybody. Um, so that's that's all right. You're okay. You're, you're sitting in there in middle, safe middle ground. And just to get a little flavour of you, who's your favourite Palace player? Well, I think, I think everybody would say Wilf, just because he epitomises... He epitomises Palace, doesn't he? And every time you hear an interview of him, he just gets better and better. But there's a player when I was a kid, and I can't remember how he played or anything, but his name just stuck out to me. And I used to have a poster him on my wall, and it was Nicky Rizzo. And I don't know why I loved him, but I just really liked him. Um, oh, wow, that is a memory. That's yeah. what I mean. I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> I just remember, maybe it's a name, but I just remember I love this guy called Nicky Rizzo, but probably my favourite all time is... It was Jules, but lately, just Wilf is just, he's so, so good to listen to. and just can't help but love him. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you, Jamie. I mean, you've, you've got me dreaming about the days of Nicky Rizzo now. Proper footballer's <laughs> name. Um, scored a couple of crackers for us, I think, but, you know, promised a little bit and didn't really deliver in the end. But uh, that's a great memory. <laughs> I love it. Um, <laughs> we've also got Mike Scott. Hey, Evening. Evening, Mike. Well, it's, uh, you know you know the drill. What you got? Well, uh, yeah, my name's Mike Scott, obviously. Uh, 35 years young, uh, and I've been writing for um, the Holmesdale website for a little while. Um, joined, joined that at the start of the season. So, uh, fancy a fancy little bit of this as well, because, uh, you know, it's always lovely listening to your dulcet tones when they get involved. <laughs> obviously, right. <laughs> Good start. And uh, so, again, I, I hate to repeat the question but I'm gonna uh, who was your favourite Palace player? I think of all time, um probably because of my age, um Clinton Morrison can't 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 really beat him. Um just just everything but both spells, you know. Um I've heard, there's, there's always some obscure ones that you like like you were just talking about. There's random players that you, you probably love more than you should, you know, Tommy Black or someone like that. Um you just you just have a, a soft spot for for no reason. Um but yeah, Clinton. Just especially the season where we avoided relegation in the last game. Um, yeah, that kind of stuff really sticks in my memory. I mean, Clinton is—I just love the guy. You know, obviously he's been on our show a few times. Yeah, as, as you would have heard, he's—he's. He's, I don't know why I can say this as well. He's the same old fair as he is on air. My favourite story with, with Clinton with us was him, um, 
just laying into Gary Megson on when we when, he, when we interviewed him, just going on and on about how much he hated <laughs> Gary Megson. And then five minutes after we finished recording, he phones us back and says he'd forgotten he was still playing for Gary Megson. Could we cut it out? It's just okay. So we've also thank you, Mike. We've got Stefan as well. Hello. Hi, mate. Well, you uh, you are a podcast veteran, of course. Mm, I don't know if you could call it that, but probably <laughs> less tens of listeners than you guys, significantly less, actually. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about it. Uh, it's just a, a very geeky football podcast, very long, although split up into different sections, called DG Football on most of the normal apps. But it, it's kind of a, it kind of started as a critical approach to looking at media coverage and picking out some of the sort of some of the rubbish and inconsistencies and how they favour certain managers over others, etc. So that's kind of the main theme. So it's Premier League, but I do end up going on about Palace for quite a big part of it. <laughs> well, there's two great things there, Palace, obviously, and obviously media hypocrisy, which mm. I could rant all day about as well. So lovely to hear you focusing on that. And, uh, I've probably pulled up a few things that you guys have said on here before as, <laughs> with a few inconsistencies, but all good-natured. Absolutely right. No, that's fine. I'm, we're out there to be scrutinised. That's the beauty of doing something like this. Uh, sometimes it gets a little unpleasant, you know. <laughs> but anyway, so thank you, Stefan. And tell us a little bit about uh, your vintage as well, your age, first game. Famous. Yeah, um, I'm 32. Um, I've had next year, I'll be my 20th year as a season ticket holder, all in the rowdy corner in, in the home cell. My first game was Barnsley at home. We won 1 0, and I missed the only goal of the game. I went with the schools, got a cheap ticket, uh, but somehow I wanted to come back after that. So, uh, yeah, that's the, at the moment, in terms of current players that I favour, I think it's Luca. I just think he's a classy all-round player, even though I didn't know who he was before he signed, to be honest. There you go. Um, it's a great link as well into some of the stuff we'll be talking about today, about not knowing a player yeah. before they sign. But Luca is uh, he's just one of those players, you know, straight away he's going to fit in with Palace and he's going to be... A Palace legend, as you can see in our little chat there, producer Mikey saying you're absolutely correct. Mikey has a fondness for Luca that may go beyond normal bounds. That's all I'm going to say. Um, yeah, it gets a little uncomfortable in some of our chats sometimes. Um, hopefully, Mikey's son never gets to hear about how much Mikey loves Luca. <clears throat> but, right, so, okay, we've got uh, the, just basically a transfer focused show for you today. Uh, we're going to start by looking get some views on the players that we have signed and in particular talking about the reaction to those signings as well so let's start um, with I suppose we'll start with Yaroslav or Yarek as he likes to be called for short and I think it's pronounced Yach or Jach it's hard to say isn't it um, but a Polish centre-back good age uh, I think he's just coming up to 23 24 something like that that sort of area uh, played in Poland his, his whole career but has a couple of international caps. Apparently, been playing more often uh, in a, in a where well, he's been selected those couple of times in a back three when the uh, the Polish Poland managers chose to sort of play that that system. So not a, an automatic starter for his country. But perhaps I'll start with you, Stefan, if I may. Perhaps a, a player we might not have signed if it wasn't for all the injuries, but but certainly an interesting one. Uh, yeah, I mean, I only know about him since uh, he's kind of been linked with us and signed. Um, I have never seen him play, but I did watch a documentary that uh, one of the Palace fans or one of the boards put up about him, which is on YouTube. Um, so I recommend people watch it. And one thing that I can sort of vouch for based on it is that 
he came across as an absolutely fantastic professional character, which also came across in the Palace interview. But he uh, particularly came across well in this um, YouTube documentary where they went back to his home and saw the kind of path that he'd done. And he, he gives back to the community and you get to meet his family. Uh, he was a swimmer as well as a footballer, but always preferred football. But it seems as though his ability to progress as he has is, is largely based on his uh, professionalism and, and attitude because he wasn't necessarily by his own admission a natural talent although to some extent that might have been because he played further up the field when he was uh, when he was younger so that's all I can say no that's that's, that's great knowledge and, yeah the, the, the charity stuff you mentioned um, you know it's, I think it's the diabetic diabetes in children he's got a foundation for that if, I, if, I, if I'm right in saying that which is a fantastic cause as someone who's well has got self-inflicted type 2 diabetes I, you know I think that's an incredibly noble noble cause and for someone so young and to be, to be so focused on doing that. He's obviously got a good family around him. And like you say, the professionalism and the attitude does shine through. Uh, Mike Scott, <laughs> just, uh, let's get yeah. your views as well. In terms of a signing, I'm really looking for, obviously, like the rest of us, you've not seen the guy play, I'd imagine. You've not, don't know too much about him. But, you know, what do you, what's your reaction when we sign a player like this? Well, I mean, the, the interview that he gave um, on Palace TV was, was, was pretty telling. Um I think he sort of pointed out that Palace said they'd been observing him for a good few months over in Poland, and I mean that 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 shows that shows any criticism that had come the way of of, of Dougie Friedman and people asked him what he was doing and that kind of thing. It's got to be put to bed when you hear stuff like that. I mean, that's that's a really good. good... Um, and then you know, sending reps out to Poland to chat with him and, and, and talking about how he's going to progress uh, with Palace. I mean, that, that's, that's just the kind of thing you want to hear for a player that you you, you don't know anything about. Yeah, sure, exactly. And it gets into that realm of you know the criticism you mentioned of people saying, "Well, you know, where's our scouting network? All these other clubs are unearthing all these gems, and we're not doing it." And, and Malcolm, I don't know if you've seen uh, you know online there's been a degree of criticism as soon as we made these signings, that people haven't heard of them. How, how do you respond to that? Uh, it, it sort of makes you cry at times because uh, people will go, who? Um, then they get sort of th- chest-thumbingly indignant when it looks like there's a bit of a hold-up. And they're just like, yeah, we, we loved him anyway. I think right now we're in a position where we need people. You're not going to get these guys from the Premier League. We're going to have to shop wider. You trust Dougie, you trust the scouting department to um, to get this right. And, you know, look at the guys' stats. Lubin, well, look, they finished third in the league. Poland are qualified for the World Cup. He's an international. What's not to like? Um, even if he's coming in as a squad player, um, we need we need those bodies right now. Absolutely right. And, um, and Jamie, I'm going to bring you in on this. So, obviously... We are low on cover. We've had plenty of injuries, you know, and Damo is really the one to step up if we get anything more, particularly when you look at the Tompkins' injury history. It's likely that, you know, he could be injured at any time, really. And this kind of really shows just that, 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 that Damo's not really a, a viable option in the minds of the uh, of the staff at the club now. Unfortunately, it's true, isn't it? I mean, um you can't badmouth someone who's been such a great servant for the club and everybody that. But if he's in defence now, I'm worried. He's just not, he's just not at, at the races anymore. Um, 
at that level, I suppose, maybe. Um, I'd love to see him stick around at the club. I don't want him to go anywhere. He's a great character, I imagine, to have. But I don't think he should be our backup centre-back. Um, the new guy's young. The problem is, when you get injuries, if we go and sign somebody for 15, 20 million in centre-back, what happens when everybody's fit? Yeah, exactly. You've suddenly got Dan, Tomkins, Sacco, new guy, all trying to fight. And it's just, you've got to find someone young, willing to wait for his chance. Granted, we don't know him, but we didn't know Luca before he came in, did we? So, Well, exactly right, exactly right. And I suppose last little bit on this for me, Stefan, you've mentioned in our, in our chat there the, the kind of attitude, and that's the kind of player that, that Dougie targets. And that's something that when we when had that interview with Dougie a couple of years back where he talked about what he's learned from the managers he's played under and how important it is to sign characters and sign leaders. And that's, that's something that you get the impression that we've signed here? Uh, me? Yes, yes. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely his attitude came across. I, I think that's probably the case with um, the other chat that we'll talk about in a bit, uh, maybe to a lesser extent. And uh, I remember we had a trial list. Um, I can't remember his name now. The guy from Everton, Young, ended up at Sheffield United. Um, and everyone wanted him to sign for the club. He'd done really well in pre-season. But he'd had a bit of rumours of, of a bad attitude. And Doogie didn't go for him, much to the dismay of a lot of Palace fans at the time, which, again, suggests that... Doogie's very much about that. Yeah, Jose Baxter you're talking about there. Yeah, he was a very, very talented young player, but you're right, you know, in terms of attitude, a lot, a lot of that was to do with fitness as well, I understand. So, no, it's good good, good observations there, Stefan. I appreciate that. And you're right, we do, you know, we do want to talk about the second signing as well. It's a player called Erdal Rakip. Again, no idea, absolutely no idea who he was before we were linked with him and signed him. Um, and it's one of the oddest transfers I've seen in a, in a long time where you know it, it picks up at the end of his contract by Benfica and then immediately loaned to us and then Benfica got an injury and actually tried to terminate the loan before we'd actually done it but the paperwork was done uh, and as I as reported we've got a, uh, a, a, a clause in there to, to actually purchase him at the end of his loan I believe so interested signing um, centre midfield apparently can play wide a little bit uh, Midfielder with a beard, so I've got to be happy with that. <laughs> Been a while since we had, you know, the the, the likes of Ledley and Jednak in there with some magnificent facial hair. But uh, Rakip's helping us out there, and still a very young uh, player. I think he's only twenty-one. Doesn't have to be named in the twenty-five, I believe. Uh, so keeps that um, as, a, as an additional option, depending on who we have to name. But uh, again, so we, we're talking about a player we haven't seen, but we're talking about a player who clearly we have. I don't know if we've scouted to to the degree we scouted uh, Yarek Yak, but um, we, we've certainly obviously done our done our homework there. So again, I, I suppose I will start with you, Malcolm. It's uh, you know, no one you not no heard of him. We've signed a midfielder, obviously potentially not really a, a position that we were desperate to sign anyone in. But what do you make of it? Um, well, I'm sort of kind of hoping that the post that the club put out was. Uh the sort of unflattering version and he hasn't sort of made a few pies in the winter break. But um, <laughs> if you look at uh, what he's done, it's 9-30 and 30 for Malmo. Malmo's the dominant force. Benfica won him, so he's not going to be rubbish, is he? Yeah. Is it a position we need? Um, we, it's a difficult one to answer. Punchton's out long term. Yeah. You're always going to struggle for cover. Kabai isn't what he was. So, again, it's cover. And I think the risk going into the end of the season is we just don't have that cover. There's injuries and we're in trouble. So this guy fits the bill. 
Indeed, I mean, I've got some slight concerns myself. I, you know, I'm not sure when his last game was exactly, uh, but there's some suggestion he's got a bit to do to get fit. I do know that the picture that came out when he looked like he was pregnant um, was actually just an unfortunate angle. <laughs> yeah, it looks like one of me. <laughs> exactly. So it's, it's, yeah, it's unfortunate, but when you actually see, uh, see him running around and trading and that sort of stuff, it's, you know, far, far from the... Uh, from the beer belly situation that we feared, he's uh, he looks uh, you know looks in decent shape and uh, not too far off playing. It was good to see him putting a couple of solid challenges in some of the trading footage, knocking oh yeah, back, knocked Bakary Sacco over and then laughed when he did it. So I like that kind of attitude. So uh, so Jamie, what do you think? Have we got uh, have we got a tenacious little midfielder here? Do you think potentially? I mean, like Malcolm said, Benfica wanted him, so he's not going to be rubbish, is he? He's young, like you said, fitness wise, but. I mean, if he's a critic midfielder and he's energetic and we are losing a game, I'd rather bring someone on who's young and willing to run and run and run in the later stage of a game than, I don't want to say it, but a punch in who comes on and doesn't really create anything. Or I think I don't know enough about him to really comment on him. <laughs> but I trust, I, I trust the scouting network to... Yeah, <laughs> you've, you've raised a really good point there. I'm going to get Mike's view on this, um, which is was the youth aspect. It's something that Roy Hodgson brought up when we made the signings of, of both players. That these are young players, as you say, bringing a player off the bench. And you, you picked a good one in Punchin. That we know Punchin's quality on the ball, but you know form wise, he'd been struggling before his injury, and he was never one to to spark something. And well, Mike, if we you know if if we've got a player here that can can spark something, can actually change something off the bench. Um, does that add a, perhaps another dimension, something we've been missing? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I, I can only go by what, what the guy said himself, but he describes himself as a, as a, a box-to-box kind of a midfielder. And, and, you know, that would be the epitome of, a, of an impact sub, I would have thought. Um, but, I mean, if you take, take the Arsenal game, it did look as though, you know, Hodgson's really got it down to a great art since he's been there of, of midfields really covering the back four but for, for whatever reason that didn't really happen against Arsenal um, and you know he might be the answer for this um, but either from, from the start of a game or, or as an impact sub um, but you know he's, he's had 100 odd games for Malmo um, and Champions League experience so um, I'd, I'd say you know, he, he could be a starter if need be depending on the injury situation I was going to ask you that question Stefan you know is this a guy that we're buying to, to start straight away it's hard to say. I don't know too much about him, um, but the fact that he, like you say, he's kind of come by Benfica might suggest, well, it's a strange deal, but it might suggest that he might be at least on the bench. Um, but saying that, I watched some Portuguese football recently and it was surprisingly low quality compared to what I thought. My main point about this signing or any signing is that if they're going to block some of our own academy lads who can equally run about a bit for 20 minutes, you know, you don't even have to be that talented then that's my concern. Not that there's anyone majorly in that position who I think he is blocking, but I'm always wary of that angle of any uh, sort of transfer. Um, but I get the impression this might be one of the Malmo links that um, uh, Roy's got. I've uh, recently finished reading a book on him and, and those links are really, really strong. So he must have, have got the heads up, I think, from someone he knows back in that area. Jamie, you want to jump back in there? I just wanted to quickly say that I'm much more easy with the loan now that there's rumoured that there's a buyout clause because if we were just loaning him from Benfica to send him back, that 
that doesn't represent a good deal for me. But there was a rumour that there was a buyout clause at the end of it. So that makes makes sense, I suppose. Yeah, sure. And uh, sort of bring both those last couple of points together. Uh, you know, Stefan's talking about blocking other other um, other potential youth players. And obviously the observation, there's not really anyone pushing from there. And that that, that is unfortunately true at the moment. I think... Um, Oh, the name has just got out of my head of the young midfielder that we've got who was injured a couple of times this season who was sort of pushing in pre-season. 17-year-old, help me out. Dreyer? Yeah, that's him. Yeah, Luke, Luke Dreyer. So, I mean, you know, that's that's the only player that potentially, you know, if, if he had stayed fit this season, but unfortunately he hasn't. So, but um, but you also look at the fact that uh, Kai Kai has obviously gone on loan off to, uh, to Charlton. A lot of people really sort of... Desperate to see him given that chance, but he's you know he's had a couple of opportunities. He's been in around the squad for for quite some time, and he's just not made that extra step. Um, and, and Stefan, you got a point on this? Yeah, I mean, I agree that he hasn't made an impact when he has been given a chance. I can't defend that, but I just think that there's a, a tendency for football fans to kind of say, "Oh, let's go and sign this young League One star that's scoring loads of goals." Whereas actually Kai Kai is effectively that just because he didn't cost a load of money. So people won't want to give Kai Kai a chance. But if we'd just signed the equivalent of someone with the same record from a League One club, there'd be a lot more pressure for him to play. So I know he hasn't really taken his chance, but I do feel like uh, we need to be wary of that. That's an interesting point. You know, he's got a great record out on loan in in both League Two and League One. Uh, Did okay at Brentford, wasn't pulling up any trees, but... At the same time, they you know they they wanted him back. Um, apparently, we were asking too much money for the, the permanent transfer. But you know, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's obviously a a decent player. But for whatever reason, it, it just seems that the, the staff who see him sort of week in week out don't think he's going to get there. Mike. Yeah, I, I kind of feel for his own good. It, it's a good move. Um, I sort of you know felt a bit sorry for him sometimes. Um, it seems like he's been on in exactly the same position within the squad for such a long time now. Um, obviously, it's unfortunate that he's, he's, he's Charlton for him. You know, that, that's, that's that's the downside for him. But, um, you know, um, I, I think it's probably good for him. All, all parties are going to benefit from this for, for, for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think for me, I think it's, you know, because he, he has to get named in the 25 now. Uh, he's reached that age. It's just, you know, this is, this is us saying, you know, you, you've done well but we're going to try and cash in on you now. And you've got to remember that, as harsh as it is to say, because it sounds so unfeeling, but part of the academy is also to generate players that are not of Premier League quality, should we say, but are good enough to have a career in the Football League and could generate some funds. You know, because you look at how Chelsea run their academy as a business, it's pretty disgusting at times, but at the same time it is, you know, it kind of, it does generate an income for them. And if you want to, if you want to compete, you've got to do similar things. So, it's a little distasteful, and you do feel for a player like Kai Kai, who's, you know, particularly dead ball. He's got an amazing quality, and he's he's very direct. And he's had a couple of moments where he's looked like he could do something in the Palace shirt. You would argue, if you were him, certainly, you would say he's never quite had the opportunities. But let's move on from that. Let's, um, you know, we've made a couple of signings. We've talked about a player who's who's gone out. Let's talk about some potentials, and in particular, let's look at the striker position and before I start bringing up some of the rumours Malcolm what do you want to see what do you want to see us do uh, how many strikers do we need and what sort of quality uh, that's a good question Chris um, a lot of it depends on 
where we think Christian Benteke is going to be going for the rest of the season. Um, you know, there's a very, very good player there, but whatever's good about him is struggling to get out at the moment. So part of it is, do you persevere with Christian Benteke or don't you? Um, and if you look at some of the names that are out there, I know Willow is now supposedly going to bro- Brighton, but, you know, that's just Christian Benteke all over again. Same to an extent with Ed Edier. 1 in 17. We've got one of those. So the question really, do you want somebody, a sort of Moussa Dembele type or Richmond Boyake type? Um, you could argue they're the complete package. I think Moussa Dembele is a little bit wolf-like. Um, or do you go for someone like a, a sort of another Christian Benteke? Ideally, you'd want both. But again, these people cost. They, they do. And a lot of it goes... So how how are we playing? You know, are we, are we playing the way we play because our only option is Christian Benteke? Obviously, we've seen us play Townsend and, of course, Zaha up front uh, in a two. We've seen Zaha playing sort of central and buzzing around uh, Benteke to some degree as well. But you know, are we? It's a you know, is it we're trying to cope if Benteke's out or out of form as he currently is? So obviously, we want to see competition for him. But you're right, we've also got. Do we want to see something that little bit different? So let's get some views from the rest of the gents. Stefan, what do you want to see? Uh, I mean, I think centre-forward, ideally, is the position where, unlike the other positions we talked about, it was a priority. And it was a priority for someone that can walk straight into the first team and potentially make an impact. Obviously, that's always difficult. So I would, in an ideal world, I would want someone that can do that. On the other hand, don't want that to be the type of player that's in the lower. A 31-year-old with a very questionable record anyway, who I would definitely consider to be not just a blocker for youth, but just that type of player that is difficult to shift off your wage bill. I mean, last year he got one in 16 goals, which, OK, most of those were sub-appearances, but that's a similar record of Benteke this year, who we know has got a long-term proven record. That's that's not in doubt. So I, I'm wary. I'd either want us to sign someone that is... Definite proven or someone from like a, I don't know, like a, a Shalabas type player, but up front um, or go cheap, but gamble abroad. I don't want to go in the middle and just compromise on body numbers that then will shift to get off the books unless it were alone, which I know we can't get domestically. No, and obviously we're, I'm sure we're, we're looking abroad for that. But, you you know, you're, both, both of you so far have sort of brought up the issue, which is what I see it is... If you, if you want proven quality, you've really got to pay. Um, and the trouble is, if you're paying for someone, it just goes to... It's like, if, if you're paying, going out... Let's say we go out and we get Moussa Dembele, who, you know, to be fair, isn't quite proven quality. He's very well regarded, stuff very well in the Scottish League, was excellent for Fulham as a youth. Everyone knows an awful lot about him, been targeted by some big clubs. But if we go out and we start paying £25 million for that, let's, let's just say it, we pay £25 million for him and it's a success... You've then got, is he playing alongside Benteke? Or if you've got a player, you're paying 120 grand a week to sit on the bench. You know, as, as us as a club, we can't really afford to do that. The players we, we we pay the big money and the big transfer fees for, you know, these have got to be first-team players. So as much as you might argue it's a nice problem to have to choose between two high-performing players or to actually give your, your main striker a kick up the arse or something like that, it's a really... I don't envy the people who have to make this decision. I really don't, because... You know, strikers strikers are an expensive commodity, particularly ones that immediately are going to make that impact. But I guess, Jamie, that's what we need. We do need that immediate impact, that immediate um, 
challenge for Benteke. Yeah, unfortunately we do. And I, I, I do agree. We It'd be lovely to see someone come out of the academy and play up front. But, I mean, that's, a, that, that's another show, isn't it? That's another talking point. Um, if we're going to go into the market, I don't see the point of buying someone who is a, who is Benteke. That's why there's questions about Babacar, because, well, Tottenham are finding it. Loren A and Kane up front, two two big men up front. It just, it just doesn't work. But we need to, I, if we're going to buy a striker, we need to find find someone who's going to run the channels, pace, harass defenders, because then it's also an option with Benteke rather than replacing him. If we need to go top front in the game, we can bring him on to go top front. Or I wouldn't buy a, another Benteke. Absolutely right. Sorry, I was a slight delay. There was me clicking on something and forgetting I was still muted. Good stuff. That's okay. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Mike, you haven't had an opportunity to, to weigh on on this before I uh, start reading something that, that, that Stefan was hinting at. So, um, before I'm going to start throwing some names about it a bit. But again, so what what do you personally want to see us do here? What, what's the priority? Well, I mean, I'm still of the opinion that um, that the parts of Benteke's game, everything but the finishing recently, uh, has really, really worked well with Wilf. Um, with Sacco. So I think if you were to look at strikers that didn't necessarily offer that, um, you know, we might be missing something. Obviously, it'd be great if if his confidence was back and he's putting them in as well. But, um, you know, if you, if you think of someone like Diafra Sacco, um, who doesn't sound like he's 100% fit anyway, um, you might end up with someone that for the first couple of months isn't really offering a lot, you know, getting back up to match fitness. Um, so I think you're right. It's an almost impossible job. It's got to be someone unproven, I would have thought, um, within the budget that I would have thought they, they've got to spend. Um, and there's not a lot of options out there. I mean, it, having heard that Brighton are now after Dembele, that obviously makes me 100% more keen for Palace to get him. Um, but yeah, there's it, it, not, there's a hundred names out there, but none of them are the absolute answer that you'd think, yes, that'll sort it out. And uh, Stefan, you brought up the, the, the situation around Connor Wickham, and I know Jamie's just commented on that as to whether he'll actually be back and, and fit to play. Um, that's a question. But obviously Wickham is also, you know, that, that big unit up front type of striker. We've we've seen him in, in have those little patches where he's looked a proper goal scorer. Obviously going back to his you know, younger days, he was he was all of that. He was the complete striker coming coming through. But is he, you know, should we really be thinking of him as an option? Personally, I'm I'm not a biggest fan of him. I'm just um, wary of of taking on too many senior players on the books. I mean, at the moment this season in particular, January's an expensive window, and ultimately we have only got one competition that we're in now. You know, we're out of both cups, so I don't think we need to go crazy and overspend if the money's stupid on some of these players. Um, and we need to be aware that, you know, he may well come back. I know his injury record's questionable, but, um, you know, it, it's an option. We've got Sacco, so Hark can play up the front there as well. Uh, I don't think it's quite as an emergency, well, no position to anymore is, is quite as bad as we thought, at least after these injuries clear up over the next few weeks. The Christmas fixture period is over as well, so it shouldn't be too intense. Uh, that's, a, that's a good point, uh... Very good point. Well, let me start throwing some names of people now. Um, so I'm going to start with you, Jamie. One of the most, I don't know, there's been a really negative reaction of it, but it's, there's only one article re- relating to it, and it could be one of those completely made-up rumours, and part of me really hopes that it is. Uh, but Ashley Barnes. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. No, <laughs> no. Let's just talk about no, why. So, I, I, I am not a fan of Ashley Barnes from from his Brighton days. Obviously, mainly, um, I, I, I feel I don't know why I feel whenever he plays against us, we make him look ten times the player he actually is. However, he is a real pain in the ass and has done well for Burnley. But so you're you're a, you're a big no on that one. What's your what's your reasoning there? Just not good enough. Well, I'd just rather play Sacco. I think I think if we can't upgrade, I feel for I, I feel for Saka playing out, playing out position. But lately, the last couple of weeks, everyone can say he actually works his back backside off, doesn't he? But I think if you can't if you can't better the Saka situation, and I don't think he is a great deal anyway, I won't go for someone like that. I, I would only go for somebody if we know that he is a completely different option, and. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to give any money to an ex-Brighton player. <laughs> Fair play. No, I know Stefan's mentioned he agrees with you. You, you there that if you're going to get Ashley Barnes, you may as well get Sacco. Before I move on, any support amongst the panel for the signing of Ashley Barnes? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Not a great deal. No, nothing there. Nothing there. So there you go. I just um, looked at uh, his um, goal-scoring record, and whilst he's looked good for Burnley, don't get me wrong. Um, I mean, it's it's probably a lot of subs, but it's 17 in 115. Yeah. You know, quite a lot of which might be in the championship. That's that's not better than Sacco. Uh, he's 28, so it's not like there's going to be uh, a real real star value on there. So I'm wary of permanent signings that are that age where there's not a resale value, unless they're definitely really going to contribute or they're cheap. And the fee that we're looking that's been rumoured is apparently 11 million quid. So there you go. <laughs> so let's uh, so strong strong negative response from the panel there. Uh, but let's see how we feel about. Hmm, not sure about this one. That's the, that's the keeper one. Let me skip that. <laughs> Start talking to you about a goalkeeper up front. We don't want to go down that route. Uh, Musa Dembele, we've mentioned quite a lot, um, and I know Stefan in the comments you've said uh, you've sort of agreed with what I was saying about him being unproven, but. Um, Malcolm, is it someone? You've got youth there. You've got uh, you've got a good reputation, but you've got someone playing in the, the Scottish Premier League where Anthony Stokes was a. Uh, yeah, look, therein lies the problem. You've got someone who's twenty-one years old. Um, Scottish league isn't the best league in the world, so he's unproven. Um, he looks a talent. He really does. But is it what we need right now? Yeah, can he make that? that instant impact. I don't know. Stefan, you're making the point there that obviously some good players do come out of the Scottish League. Yeah, I just, I mean, I know, I'm not saying it's a strong league, but the Dutch League's awful at the moment and these question marks aren't raised when Brighton go out and sign a 
player for 14 million this window as well for a Dutch striker. Um, so I just want to be wary because they still challenge themselves in the Champions League on a few games in the same way that you know the, the, the other European sides that we might look at too. So whilst I'm not saying the Scottish League is great, I just think that we're a little bit too quick to knock to knock it. Saying that, Dembele personally, um, you know, there's the resale value, which is something that I I look at at his age. Um, but then there's also the fact that you know his record wasn't amazing at Championship. Now he was young, so most players when they're young have that sort of period where the output doesn't necessarily match their reputation, and it's where they kick on to. Um, but it's still something to sort of be wary of, at least from an immediate impact point of view. And if people don't rate the Scottish League and they think it's that weak League One, League Two, then they should have probably been calling for a Clark Clark to play more because yeah, he was that's playing. A, that's that's a good point. And interestingly, you know, I, I think I think in a lot of ways it is it's fair to look at the quality in the Scottish League and, and be a little bit negative just because of how you know just how dominant Celtic have been. Just how you know just how as much as they could test themselves in European competition but you know generally speaking you have, you have to ask questions about the standard of defending you know there's good players in there but you, you certainly can't look at it as a it's definitely going to translate you know one one player in Dembele is going to his exact form and talent is going to translate into the English league however you know there is more to Dembele than the fact that he's currently playing for Celtic you know he's got an awful lot uh Got all thought going for him in terms of reputation. I was distracted now because you were pointing at yourself. Uh, <laughs> did you want to make a point? Yeah, it's a quick one. I mean, look, I've watched some videos of uh, Musa, and what does he do really well? He runs at people. Um, he can find space. So, you know, very, very good things, but he's very, very right-footed. You look at him in front of goal every time he's playing onto his right foot. Um, if you're going to compare him to someone, I'd say a little bit controversial, but Wolf about three years ago. So, you know, he would definitely be one for the future. But is it what we need now? Yeah, well, like, well that's exactly the point. Excuse me, I had to cough there. Um, so I just think, um, I think you know, we, we go a little bit round and round in circles on this. I think, I think instant impacts, we've all got our concerns. And I think interestingly, when we talk about resale value, you know, if if he comes over and he's a success and scores, you know, five, ten goals, you could probably add ten million quid to whatever we pay from him. But similarly, if he comes over and fails, you know, you could uh, you could be in the hole for quite a lot of money very, very quickly. It's with young players, reputation can, can change so, so quickly uh, these days. But I think we've got to be thinking more about, you know, how do we as Crystal Palace kick on? How do we add competition in the ranks? How do we add variety to the way we can play? And for me, I, what I like about Dembele, and believe me, I, I don't think we should be going to spend 25 million quid on him. But what I like about him is he offers a totally different option for us. Um, and I'd like to see, you know, the, the kind of young direct striker, how he would link with the likes of Townsend and Zaha and all that kind of stuff. It, it does appeal to me. Whether or not it would be a success, I, I certainly don't know. All right, chaps, anyone got anything else to add? Oh, I've got to pick up on this, Stephanie. You've been talking about Scott Sinclair having more goals in the, in the Scottish League. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying we should sign Scott Sinclair. It's just um goes back to the whole idea that one one gets hype and actually 
his record, and it's like I said, I don't think the Scottish League is it should be ridiculed, but it's more that his record is one in two in the Scottish League, which isn't bad, of course, um, but it's not incredible. And Scott Sinclair scored more. They are an attacking side who are scoring a lot of goals. So I'm trying to be balanced and say that you know he shouldn't ridicule the league, but on the other hand, he's not actually tearing it up. I think his reputation is you know going before him, and Scott Sinclair's isn't in this scenario. Absolutely. Mike? Yeah, I mean, it just seems to me, and it's probably why you sound so keen on him as well, it just seems like he'd, he'd be a Palace player in the, in the sort of, in the mould of counter-attacking football. I just think it, 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 it would fit right in. And whilst there's plenty of teams that are boring us to tears certain Saturdays, I, that's never going to happen if we get him. That, that, would, that would really excite me. There you go. I think it's it's one of those, isn't it, where we're talking about people judging signings before they sign. It's one of those that actually gets people excited just because there is a bit of buzz around the player himself. But you know, I think I think all the the warnings are there as well. That, uh, but as, as we said in the chat just a minute ago, any signing any signing is a risk. Uh, right. Let's, yeah, uh, and that, was, that was you, Jamie, as well said. Um, so let's let's have a look at some of the other options. We were strongly linked with uh, Eder from Inter. Not to be confused with the one who was at Swansea. Uh, on loan and did very little. Uh, again, he's, he's a different type of player, I guess. But again, we're talking, gents, about a player, 31, you know, a decent sum of money to sign him. Does he represent something that will offer a, a change? Does he represent something that inspires you? You know, would, and I'll start with you, Mike, on A. Is that, is that something that, you know, you, would, you, know, you think that's, well, that's an option? Well, I mean, if you, if you go back to what you were talking about earlier about, you know, Dougie really, really liking his players to, to have a real work ethic and not be a problem. All the rumours I'm reading about him, and they could be totally unsubstantiated, sound like, you know, if he, if you get on the wrong side of things, if things aren't working, um, it might, you know, might not be quite so good. But, um, yeah. Sure, sure. No, I know what you mean. I, you know, you... We're looking for characters. We're looking for people who are, you know, you know, going to fit into the squad and have this, this immediate impact. He's, you know, going for him. I suppose he's got, you know, he's got experience. You know, he's got a, a, a reputation that, that comes with him. You know, you kind of think, you know, if you're looking for instant impact, it's it's not a young player who has to find his feet. It's a, an experienced guy who's played an awful lot of football. So on that side, I quite like the fact that we're linked with him. He's obviously got talent. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, the, the, the stats, people have been very quick to talk about recent form, which it doesn't sound like it's been that great. Um, so it, you're still going back to the risk issue, I suppose. Sure, sure. You're absolutely right. He certainly doesn't come with a with a reputation as somebody's going to score sort of, you know, double figures by the end of the season and keep us no. uncomfortably, which it seems, you know, without being, I'm not saying that I expect that. I think in general, that's the kind of thing that people are looking for us to do in this window. Uh, Absolutely. But we won't, we won't dwell on that one much more unless anyone wants to make a, a quick point on that. I, you know, Malcolm, you're saying there you're not particularly keen? No, I mean, uh, <laughs> I think Benteke, honestly, I think Benteke could be a better player. Ed has got the same record. He doesn't seem like he wants to come. So, yeah, move on. Next one. Good chat. <laughs> All right. If you don't, you don't want to be here, that's fine. Um, let's, okay, let's move this one on. Um, um, a link from the past, but also a link that's reared its head uh, recently. I'm just trying to see where it, where it popped up. But it's Benek Afobe, who obviously is at Bournemouth at the moment. Big powers of Jack Wilshire, um, and apparently falling out with uh, with Eddie Howe. 
We were in for him at one point. He's only 24 years old. Um, again, is this a signing, Jamie, that uh, that you'd sit there and you think, okay, I think he could do a job for us? Or is he, well, in the words of a couple of people in the BBS, is he crap? Um, I don't think you're a Premier League football really and, and you're crap. But is he someone that if I was in the scouting place, would I want to buy? It doesn't get me excited, put it that way. I don't, I don't want us to sign him. Um, I don't think he'd make us much better. I mean, all this talk about strikers, but we've actually been scoring goals recently, haven't we? So it's a little bit funny to say that our striker issue yeah, is the it biggest. Here's a weird one. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, sorry to go off topic, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be over the moon with a phobia. No, it's, it's an interesting point you raise. You know, we we are we are scoring goals, and I think, I think again, we haven't really got anyone backing that up. You know, and obviously the focus has been on the fact that Ben Teke hasn't been knocking them in, and in particular the fact that when he does get through a goal, and this was mentioned earlier because it's a confidence thing, quite clearly. You know, it's not it's not any question of ability, and that's what I think that's what I get frustrated about the most when. You know, we're looking through Twitter and message boards and stuff like that. It's people saying that the technical rubbish has got no ability. It's nothing to do with that, but he is absolutely shot of confidence. Um, but there you go. I think, you know, it, it is a very, very key point to, to pick on we want goals. And obviously, Afobe doesn't really offer goals. Go, um, Malcolm. Yeah, just, I mean, just coming back to the Christian Bantake point, um, if we are happy with Christian Bantake, then I'm not sure we would be looking at anyone like Ada or anyone like that. You just want somebody to play off him, give him that confidence. So, you know, if you look at someone like Ada, I don't think Bernekophobia is worth the time anyway. Um, why don't we just do that and just find somebody who will play off him? Well, that's that's exactly right. You know, perhaps, perhaps we will, but it's so difficult to make that choice as we've been talking about, isn't it? It's- you know, we're sitting here with a list of names that we've apparently been linked linked with, and uh, it's just hard to say who we go for. And uh, Stefan, I noticed you've mentioned the ass in the chat there. Uh, we were linked to going back in for him. He's scored, he scored a bunch of goals, isn't he, for Everton? So, uh, looks like a shame we didn't get that one over the line. But uh, I don't know. I mean, let's, let's throw the last name out there. Um, if I may, that I, that I want to talk about. You gents are welcome to bring up any other suggestions you've got afterwards. But um, it's Kumar Babakar. Um, a great name to say. Perennially. Perennially? Interesting. Often linked with Palace. <laughs> and, um, you know, I know it's, it's a deal we definitely were looking at. You know, and it's... Again, but does he score enough goals? And uh, I've, I've seen a couple of games that he's played... Uh, it does excite me in some ways. Again, he's still he's still quite young. He's, he's good energy about him, um, you know, and he can do a little bit of everything as well. You know, a little bit of hold up play, but can can play direct as well. But it's again, it's you know, you look at the pace in the Premier League, the physicality in the Premier League. You know, is this a signing that's um, that's going to going to push us on? And is it likely? I think there's possibly the value there. Uh, let's, let's jump. Get you to jump in on that. Um, so. When it comes to all of these names, you know, I just don't understand how someone can be excited by a Babacar but not on a phobie. Not saying I'm what I'm excited by a phobie. I just think that we've got this common tendency to think, you know, because he's from a, a foreign league, which is a weaker league, and from memory, a similar record, that he's going to be better. So I'm not necessarily thrilled by any of them, but out of all of them, 
I'd take a phobe if the deal was right, if it was under 10 million, which I doubt is going to happen, which is weird because he cost a good about 10 million. He's effectively failed in the Premier League. So you would think you'd get him for that, but that's not necessarily how it works these days. No, you're right. Man, you know, money has gone completely insane. So, um, okay, that's, that's, that's a good roundup of who we've been linked with. Obviously, there's also uh, Boyake, who's a uh, red star. I'll be honest, he's not a player I know a huge amount about, other than the fact that of all the players we've been linked with, he's the one who's actually scoring goals. Um, also linked with Newcastle as well. But, uh, yeah, not too sure. Not too sure if anyone's got any views on, on Boyake, but... Certainly interesting. Um, again, I'm looks proven. good on YouTube. <laughs> so again, looks good on YouTube. Well, that is all that matters. Although, don't go, don't uh, look up Jordan much on YouTube. <laughs> uh, I don't know who the guy is playing as Jordan much, but it's not the one we've got. That's for start. Um, all right, brilliant. That's good to round up the uh, the striking options. But let's have a little chat about goalkeepers before we finish as well. Um, I've got to be really careful what I say. I got myself into trouble with last week's show um, for focusing too much on on Wayne Hennessy. So I'm not going to be talking about that. But I'm going to be talking about the fact that as a club, we have been looking for quite some time to bring in a, a new number one. See, we did that with Steve Mondunder and it didn't work out. Uh, we did that with Alex McCarthy and it didn't work out. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I've forgotten any others, but we've really struggled to you know get somebody who's going to be Jules' permanent replacement and be that step up from, from Wayne Hennessy. You know, obviously there's a lot of people out there who at the very least have sympathy for, for how Wayne gets uh, gets highlighted. Um, but at the same time, it's quite clear that the club want a third goalkeeper, however that is. And uh, Vincente uh, Gaeta is the one who's been consistently linked and there was all sorts of stuff about him signing a new contract and maybe not and all this kind of crap. But, you know, again, it's... Uh, I suppose it's a, an exotic name, but do we really know much about him? Um, Mike, I'll, I'll ask you that question. Well, I mean, yeah, for, first of all, Hodgson's not, not been shy in coming forward, saying saying about the, the three capers at every possible opportunity, hasn't he? Um, it, it did seem a little bit like... Um, we were being used a bit in a pawn to to, to, to get his contract changed. Quick, um, Guetta, however you say his name. But you know the, the rumours today are um, you know it's, it's looking close at, at about the seven million pound mark. And and if you if you take the the loan signing and the actual signing so far, it looks like uh, you know they, they are going for trusting the scouts like lower. Um, lower cost uh, on players and, and still seven millions, a bit of a steal if he's a decent keeper. Um, again, I haven't, I haven't seen much of him. I can't say I've, I've watched good Taffy much, um, but you know, that suggests it'd be well, well worth the purchase. Um, whether um, it'd still be a rotation thing going on or, or, or what the plans would be there, I don't know, but. No, it's, it's, it's a difficult one. It's cool. And obviously, Jamie, you brought up that he's, uh, he's starting for Getafe tonight. Yeah, obviously, that doesn't mean anything. I mean, it could still go through, but I mean, whether we've been used or not, I mean, it's so tough to know what reports are actually reports. I mean, Parish always says, doesn't he, that most of the stuff you hear is nothing. Um, so it's, it's tough to know how close the deal was. I mean, there's meant lots of reports, lots of reports saying that he had even had a medical and stuff like that. So I don't know. I think with the deadline coming up, we just need to get our get ourselves in order. If if people don't want to come, the same with Edda, you just move on to the next target. Apparently, there was a big list of targets 
One, one of those targets was, of course, uh, Bartosz Bielkowski, who's uh, signed a new deal at Ipswich. And there's one more on there, Robin Olsen, which I'll talk about in just a moment. But Malcolm, you wanted to jump in on that. Yeah, like, um, I think, I, I still think we'll get uh, Goyata, whatever he's called. I just think there's a game of chicken going on. Um, if we want him, Getafe don't get anything for him after February the 1st. So, you know, pick a number between 0 and 8 million. Um, I still think he'll be here on Feb the 1st. I just think there's a game of chicken going on. I think you could be right there. It wouldn't be the first time either. Um, I know that actually there's one of the backup options we were looking at is, uh, uh, well, Olsen, who I believe is, uh, <laughs> my brain's gone. Swedish international, Danish international. Why is my brain not working? You know, Robin Olsen was an option there. But, uh, Stefan, you said you've got a keeper plan. Well, yeah, I mean, with a lot of the positions, January isn't the best time financially to get someone. Um, and because we are in a slightly safer position, maybe there's less of a panic. Because at the start of the season, we would have said, or, or not long ago, goalkeeper was a must in this window. But, you know, I think we're overreacting just from the Arsenal game. It's become less of a priority. And this is one of the positions that I don't really like taking major risks in. And with that in mind, I think that we could potentially just wait till the summer um, and in the summer, we're likely to be able to get one of the relegated keepers, of which I, I, I really rate. So we've got Fabianski at Swansea, uh, Foster at West Brom, um, Forster, who can't even make the Southampton team, but there's talent in him there. And I mean, Butland would be a tough one, but Butland at Stoke, um, just just a few there. And even if Huddersfield went down there, German keeper's been quite impressive. So I, I, I'd almost be inclined to, to hold out. Um, I think it's slightly less key than we thought. I also don't like the idea of three senior keepers. I think the balance is much healthier to have um, two more senior keepers or then at least the third to be a youth player. It's very rare that they even need to play as a third keeper. I mean, in this current injury crisis, we've still only had a maximum of two youth players at the bench at any given time and they didn't come on. So I think that we over panic a little bit about what a disaster it would be if someone had to play 20 minutes here or there. Well, uh, it's, it's an interesting point, point you make. I, I'll be honest with you. I think the, the whole we need to have three senior keepers, everyone else does thing. I think that's, you know, that's code for our first choice keepers aren't good enough, in my opinion. Um, that's just my, my view. Um, both, both my view of what the staff think and also what I think as well. Um, I think we've got, you know, I, 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 Jules, I think, is still capable cover. Um, everyone knows that I do have issues with Wayne's ability, certainly not his a- attitude and certainly not his uh, you know, application to the cause. I'm not criticising that no matter what people think. But I do think in terms of ability, he's not good enough in the Premier League. Um, and I think for me, you know, I'm interested to hear that you, you think we can perhaps, you know, struggle on till, till the end of the season. I, I'm, I'm not com- comfortable doing that. And it's not just about the Arsenal game. You know, it's about it's about sort of two, three seasons of, of just looking at that and thinking we've never we've never quite found that solution. Um, and it's something that's that's so important. I just I just for the life of me, I just want to see a, a keeper come out and dominate the penalty area on a regular basis. With that in mind, sorry, Chris. No, you go ahead. Uh, with mind, though, I, that's one of the reasons I don't like taking the risks from. Uh, from uh, foreign leagues with goalkeeper positions, because although some have made the transformation, you know, they've done that well, there's a lot that, it, it's a different style. And in a lot of uh, 
different leagues. There isn't necessarily the the same amount of high balls into the box that you might get in the Premier League. So whilst I understand that none of us are that confident with the current two, I'm not sure if necessarily that would solve that particular problem. No, no, you're right. That's Again, that's the risk of the transfers we've been, been talking about today. Uh, Jamie? I'm, I'm, I'm still with you on this one. I mean, I don't want to get too far into Hennessy, but I just, if he, even if he plays 20 games in a row and he's outstanding, when the team sheet's read out, people will still go, oh, and I feel for him because he seems like an absolute lovely bloke. He really seems lovely. But I'm the same as you. I want to go to a game. I want to see a dominant goalkeeper. I mean, it's not, it's not our job to find that goalie. But if the scouting network are looking across and maybe this Olsen bloke, he looked big, dominant, good for Sweden. I think I want to go to a game and feel confident. Not every time a team attacks us think, oh God, or every time a team gets a free kick, oh God. I want that feeling gone as quick as possible. Yeah, and you know, it's it, you bring it up and there's no denying that that feeling's there from a lot of people. And, you know, that, I suppose in a way it is a self-fulfilling prophecy every time that Wayne does have a have a bad game or makes a mistake. You know, it's um, in, in that sense you do have to feel for him because it gets highlighted. And if you look up and down the leagues, keepers make mistakes every week, even the best ones. You know, the, the very very best, it's minimal mistakes, but they're still there. And invariably, you can either get you know it'll, it'll cost you a goal more often than not if a keeper makes a mistake. But I think what you're what you're talking about is exactly right. And whether it's purely for Wayne, it's a timing thing that he came in to replace a club legend and he was never going to get a fair chance. I don't know. But I feel certainly personally when I look at his performances and I, and I criticise, I do feel I'm doing it from a point of view of being fair and observing what really happened. But, you know, you're right. You want not just the fans, but it's the, it's the team. The team have got to believe and have confidence in that goalkeeper. And, I, you know, I, you, you look at, you look at, moments in games where I've got a really top goalkeeper. And I go back to you, look at when we had the likes of Martin Julian at his very, very best. They would make saves that changed matches um, often, you know, <laughs> on a regular basis. And, you know, I just, I want to, I want to see that again. And Whether or not our perception of Wayne is, is an unfair one, I don't know, but it certainly seems that the, the club in general do want to bring in another number one. So, um, I think we've uh, we've covered as much ground as I think we want to cover in terms of what I, I've brought up. Uh, so, guys, quick round round you if you want to bring up any other players we've been linked with in any positions that you want to see or any further discussions, do let me know now. Seven. <laughs> uh, sorry, um, it's just that I think that whilst we've got these box to box midfielders in, apart from well, even Loftus Cheek, uh, I'd consider him quite box to box. I feel like we've na- we've lapped that out and out natural attacking central midfielder just to sit behind the front men, um, your Bojans and so on. And um, I'm not sure if that's necessarily a Roy type tactic and formation, but I think that's something we've missed for a number of years. I don't think Punchin was that player for a long time either. So whilst this may not be a priority this time, I, I wouldn't like it to drop off the radar too much. I think, and again, you bring up Loftus Cheek, and I, I, from day one, I've just looked at him and thought he's got to be there. You know, he's got. You know, very early on when we were struggling, it just looked like having him sort of 
in that sort of in between role, you know, get obviously getting involved in the midfield, but also getting up and supporting Benteke because he's got a great first touch, he's a good physicality about him. I thought he was going to be the guy, but I also I kind of know what you mean with that prop, you know, a proper number ten, you know, not necessarily a you know a big strong lad. It, you could be that little player that buzzes around, and, and I know Wilf sort of been asked to do that to a degree and obviously if you go back to De Boer's system he wanted he wanted two number 10s he wanted to use Wilf and, and Townsend as those uh, so not Townsend Wilf and uh, Loftus-Cheek as those he's put Townsend at right wing back didn't he? but, <laughs> but I think know. Loftus-Cheek's strengths are often when he's uh, got a bit of momentum bounding forward and he does these turns and I'm not sure as much as I like him and I like him a, a hell of a lot if he he could, if we were playing a team that would sat deeper, set us apart, necessarily pick out those pockets of space, the sort of thing that he'd need to do uh, if you were playing for Chelsea. So I was thinking more, you know, you're almost your Bojans or Sigurdsons who can shoot and score as well. Obviously, you know, not Bojan because he was available in the summer, but Sigurdsons are a long shot and they're quite rare to get the good ones. Yeah, sure. That's a good shout. Uh, Jamie? Uh, just quickly on the uh, creative midfielder, for me, someone like a Lanzini is what we need. He kicks, he, he knocks around behind the striker. He scores crackers. He arri- the only midfielder we have that ar- seems to arrive late and score is Jimmy Mack. Even Kabai doesn't get into them positions. We, the sort of our level of Lampard sort of thing, you know, a player that will link up between the striker, but will also arrive late and just, we pull the ball back so many times and Wilf loves doing that as well. And an attacking midfielder running in. I mean, Lanzini, I think he was bought from the Arabic league or something. He was plucked out of absolutely nowhere. So when, it, when, when, when they brought him with the fans going wicked, he's the next level, but then he, look, look what he's happened now. He's a fantastic yeah. player behind the striker. So if we could find someone like him, that that would be fantastic. But quick, just quickly, on the striker thing, I know I know Swansea have been heavily linked with Kevin Gamero. And I know he's 30 years old, but I think if we could get someone like that in for under 20 million, who's 30 but still got bags of pace and a tremendous amount of experience, that's who I would personally try and get, but not for too much sort of thing. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's, again, it's another one of those risks on it. It's, it's a player with good quality, good pedigree, but at that end of his career where it's an awful lot of money. And I think Stefan said it in the chat there. I'd be amazed if we spent that sort of money. But, uh, but there we go. But, but a good shout, certainly. Uh, Malcolm, is there anything that you, was it, or was it covered by someone else? Yeah, just a note. Um, yeah, we're, we're linked again with Diafra Sacco, which is not one I would jump up and down for joy for. I'm hoping on the strike front we do get someone like Richmond Boyarke. He does look really good. I looked up his stats, um, and it was something in the order of 39 and 48 games for Red Star Belgrade. So even if you take into account that the Serbian Premier League or whatever it is, isn't going to be world-beating, he sure as hell is going to be worth a look. Um, other than that, I think everything is going to get left to the last minute. Ten teams within six points at the bottom. Everyone's looking for strikers. You guys are going to be busy on the 31st. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> we, we really, really are. Well, at least I hope so. I hope it's not another one of those nights where I'm trying to stall for three hours and we never do anything. But uh, no, f- fingers crossed. And, um, uh, I think next up in the queue, Mike. Yeah, I mean, j- just in terms of, of, of perhaps getting the best out of Benteke and getting his his confidence back up. I mean, especially with, with Townsend's out, 
um, you know, Fossil Mensa was taking up the slack a bit with the crossing. And I think it's still a part of his game that, um, you know, needs some work. I think it's fair to say. Um, so whilst Townsend also was offering that extra cover um, just in front of him, you know, when you say box to box, like literally that, that's what we're talking there. Um, somebody that can just cross the ball in and then maybe the, 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 the striker thing sorts itself a little bit more. Um, Cause the, you know, there's there's been there's been plenty of crosses in this season, but there could still still be a fair bit more, and and the quality has been lacking a, a fair bit sometimes. So that would be the one thing that I'd I'd really be looking at. Yeah, interesting point. Interesting. Uh, you know, certainly we've got a striker there who who does thrive on a good cross if it's if it lands on his head. <laughs> I mean, that, that that one against Leicester, that 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 ball from Townsend that was forty yards land on his head. It doesn't happen that often. Um, it'd be great if it could happen a bit more. Yeah, I totally agree with that. That's a good shout. And just before we end, Stefan, you brought up someone that we were linked strongly with early in the window in a variety of ways. And I think even today we've been linked with a load move for Ibrahim Amadou uh, from Neil. Um, can play centre-back, also defensive midfield, like Jairo Riedelveld, for example. Uh, thinking something we still need? I don't. I never did in the first place, to be honest, position-wise. I just uh, thought we shouldn't leave the pod without... Um dropping as he was mentioned but I just want to make a kind of general final point which is uh, you know there's a lot of, uh, of haters for for Parish, but you know, by all means it's fair to criticize him on a lot of things but one thing that's unfair is this whole idea of leaving things to deadline day because you know I mean first of all ultimately we've spent a lot um, net spend over the last number of years and wage bill but barring a few exceptions none of the clubs of our sort of status and, and, and size managed to sign significant first teamers until that deadline day that's the nature of the market and uh, I, I shouldn't even people shouldn't even go there for that one no absolutely right I think people always are quick to point out the handful of deals that get done early so oh we never do that and then when we do do it a couple of early deals it's just oh well, they're not going to play are they so and again you go back to what we've spent over the last few years it is a very good point you make you know I think I said it last week I think I said three years but I think it's actually over four years we've got the sixth highest net spent and it's just that's not sustainable as a club, let alone <laughs> let alone something worthy of criticism. Uh, but I think you, you get everyone gets wrapped up in the moment sometimes. I think, and it's easy to look at others and say that should be us. We should be doing that. But look at it the other way as well. There's been plenty of clubs out there looking at us doing a bit of early business, taking a couple of risks on a you know some unknown names. There'll be people out there thinking, well, look, if Palace can do that. They've got a scouting network identifying these players. Why aren't we doing it? It, it works both ways. And, as much as, you know, as you say, people are entitled to criticise where they see errors. You know, I think it's important to, to again, keep that bigger picture, recognise where we are as a club, where we came from and how, you know, it's, it's our, it is our most successful sustained period in the Premier League. And you've got to look at the people running the club to, and, and praise them for that. It's not easy. It's really not. You know, you, so many people think if you make a decision and it's wrong, that the opposite decision would have got you a better result. It doesn't work that way, <laughs> you know, in, in life, in football, whatever. Sometimes, whatever choice you make, it's it can be construed as the wrong choice. And I think, again, we're, we're a good support in terms of how we we back our club, we back our players, we, we back the people that run it more often than not. And, you know, you've got to understand that, that Twitter and message boards are just this little microcosm of frustration and hate at times. And it's not actually that representative um, the fan base as a whole. So, um, 
I think we'll leave it there. I've really enjoyed your company today, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Been a been an absolute pleasure talking to you all. So thank you to Stefan, to Mike, to Malcolm, and to Jamie. Uh, and thank you to Mikey for, for producing. As Malcolm teased a little bit earlier, we will be back on Tuesday, the 31st. We'll be reviewing the West Ham game. And of course, we'll be giving you a special live transfer window show where hopefully all our usual transfer window stuff will happen. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.